Scott Harvath wasn't supposed to be here. The CIA was forbidden to conduct operations inside the United States, especially the kind he was about to undertake. Desperate times, though, called for desperate measures. The seven-day Burning Man event was an extreme week-long summer solstice festival held on a flat prehistoric lake bed three hours outside Reno, Nevada. Outrageous costumes were encouraged, as was tasteful nudity. Costumes ran the gamut from Mad Max to Carnival in Rio. The five-foot-ten-inch Harvath, with his sandy brown hair and his glacier-like blue eyes, wore a Continental Army coat and a full face of Cherokee war paint, obscuring his handsome features. As the wind kicked up again, he pulled a pair of steampunk goggles over his eyes and wrapped a keffiyeh around his face. Clouds of the fine alkaline dust that covered the playa were swirling everywhere. Visibility was dropping. Fifty meters, a disembodied voice said over the device pushed deep into his left ear. Burning Man took place in a temporary metropolis built in the Black Rock Desert, which was called Black Rock City. With more than 70,000 attendees, BRC was twice as dense as the city of London. Seen from above, the festival was laid out in the shape of a giant letter C, or two-thirds of a circle. It looked like a blueprint for the Death Star, with a good chunk blown away. It was a mile and a half across, and a quarter mile out from the center of the sea was the man, a giant effigy that would be set on fire Saturday night. Burners, as attendees were known, spent months in advance planning elaborately themed camps and villages. Only the ultra-rich showed up on day one, usually via helicopter, to luxury turnkey camps that had already been constructed for them. Almost as controversial as the camps of the ultra-rich was something called Kidsville. It was one of the largest camps at Burning Man and was for families with children, an interesting choice at such an adult festival. Nevertheless, this year, there were about a thousand kids in attendance. You should be able to see it now. Banners and tent flaps blew in the wind. There was a makeshift bar called Seven Deadly Gins, something called Camp Woo Woo, another place called No Bikini Atoll, and an enclave named Toxic Disco Clam. Just beyond was the Blue RV. It was dark inside. He tried to peer through several windows, but the blinds were drawn. Pressing his ear against the door, he listened. Nothing. He tried to open the door, but it was locked. Removing a set of picks, within seconds, he had the door unlocked, had affixed the suppressor to his Sig Sauer pistol, and had slipped inside. Even through his kafia, the RV smelled terrible like stale cigarettes and a toilet that didn't flush well. After he peeled off his goggles, it took a second for his eyes to adjust. Plates of half-eaten food sat on the table. Dishes were stacked in the sink. Hamza Rahim lived like an animal. Noticing something on the floor, Harvath bent over and picked it up. Pieces of electrical wire. His heart rate went up. As far as anyone at the CIA knew, Rahim had been sent to Burning Man for pre-attack surveillance. The wires, though, suggested the CIA's intelligence might have been dangerously off-target. Raising his pistol, 
Harvath crept toward the rear of the vehicle. The first thing he checked was a small closet. It was filled with junk. Across from it was a set of bunk beds, both of which had been slept in. Bad sign. Rahim was supposed to be alone. Beyond the bunk beds was the master area. That bed had also been slept in. There was only one place left to search, the bathroom. The door to it was shut, locked. Harvath took one hand off his pistol and reached for the door. That was when it exploded. A Middle Eastern-looking man inside the bathroom kicked the door open and threw the contents of a large plastic cup where he thought Harvath would be standing. The highly corrosive cocktail of drain cleaner and household bleach missed Harvath and splattered across the wall and window.